Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. I missed you yesterday. I apologize we needed to do a rerun, but you are so, so wonderful. Thank you for all that you did uh, during the fun drive last week, the last two days, just the beginning of the year to make up for the shortfall at the end of last year for the Station of the Cross, and you were all so, so generous. If you missed it, feel free to go ahead and donate or raise your donation or donate for the first time to the Station of the Cross, you can get them at, um, well, our toll-free number, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, 511 or your iCatholic Radio app or com. So if they've helped you, if you wish to spread the gospel without compromise to the world, um, I urge you to support uh, the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. Um, I am thrilled to be with you now, and uh, there's a wonderful letter. Archbishop Vigano, at the end of last year and the beginning of this, uh, wrote three wonderful letters. And on the octave of the Epiphany, he wrote a particularly beautiful letter. Um, Let me just see where I put that. Here it is. Um, On the octave of the Epiphany... um, And he speaks wonderfully also of the Holy Family and quotes the scripture. And he was submissive to them. Our Lord was submissive to Mary and Joseph. And her mother kept all these things in her heart. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and age and in favor with God and with men. Luke 2.51 Archbishop Vigano's letter is wonderful, and you know, when I sent out our Christmas newsletter by email, it was out a couple of weeks back, it's the largest email newsletter we've ever put out, normally 8 to 12 pages, this was 28 pages, and I've heard back from many people that it is a keepsake, because it tells everything we as Catholic, Catholics must believe to be Catholic, And what we must do, M-U-S-T, must do. And it gives us the, the difference between um, um, what, is, what is confusing today, uh, the do- things that are being taught today that are false against what is true. Um, unfortunately, our um, supply of papers and envelopes and all from our printers, uh, things were quite delayed. And so the newsletter is just being received in print this week, several weeks later, maybe a month later. So it hopefully we will have it out in the mail by the end of this week. So we have 6,000 people waiting to receive it. So I'm so sorry, but you should receive the um, printed newsletter full this week or next in the mail. We pray so. In the octave of the Epiphany, Archbishop Vigano writes, the Holy Church celebrates the Holy Family 
of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, inserting this feast immediately after the manifestation of the divinity of our Lord. But why should we celebrate the memory of the Holy Family, a mystery of intimacy and affection to be guarded around the domestic hearth, precisely when the divine royalty of the child king is shown, adored by the shepherds and the magi who came from the east? The reason is that the family, the natural one, certainly, but even more so the one sanctified by the sacrament of marriage and to the highest degree, the one in which the parents are the Blessed Virgin and the Patriarch Joseph and the Son is the incarnate word, is the place where that order is realized in charity, which is the necessary premise for the social kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. It unites the spouses in the hierarchical relationship which has its model, has as its model the love between the head of the church and his mystical body. It prepares children in this microcosm, which is rightly recognized as the cell of society, the family, beloved, the cell of society, to be good Christians, valiant soldiers of Christ, honest citizens, wise and prudent rulers. Without the family, Archbishop says, parents exercise their authority over their children. No, not without, I'm sorry, within, in the family. Parents exercise their authority over their children in the name of God. And it is therefore within the context of God's law that this authority is legitimate and can make use of the graces of the state to find obedience in their children. And this potestas, recognized by natural law, acquires a supernatural dimension when it is inspired by the infinite love with which the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father, a divine love of such power as to be itself God the Holy Spirit. Just as man shows in his faculties memory, intellect, and will, the Trinitarian imprint of the Creator, so too the family is in some way a mirror of the most holy Trinity, because in it we find the creative power of the Father, the redemptive obedience of the Son, and the sanctifying love of the Holy Spirit. But we also find there the awareness of one's own identity and traditions, that's memory, the ability to rescue, to treasure them face to face, the ability to treasure them, let me, I'm I'm misreading, the ability to treasure them to face the present trials, intellect, and the bond of love between spouses and between parents and children, the will. So we imitate God, beloved, my own words here, my little commentary, because I messed up that reading. We are made in the image of God, in the intellect, in the memory, in the will. We also find, I will repeat this, we find there the awareness of one's own identity and traditions, that's memory. We remember who we are in Christ, and our traditions involve our memory. The ability to treasure them to face the present trials, that's the intellect. We're not led by our emotions, but by our intellect. And the bond of love between spouses and between parents and children, which is the will. Why why doesn't he say it's the emotions? 
because love is an act of the will. It's an act of the will. When in the Pater Noster, the Our Father, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we often do not pay attention to these words. We ask that the Lordship of Christ be affirmed over the nations because only where Christ reigns can peace and justice reign. We ask that Christ reign because this is God's will. Um, The scriptures say it is necessary that he reigns until he puts all enemies under his feet, 1 Corinthians 15 and Psalm 109. But in order to reign in society, it is necessary that the governors and the subjects be good Christians. And for this to happen, the family is necessary, the domestic church and school for life in the civil consortium. It is in the Catholic family that children are conceived, given birth, sanctified and educated, preparing them to be good Christians, honest citizens, and future parents. Did you hear that, beloved? It's not in the schools, not in society, but it's in the Catholic family. And it is in a misguided family or its diabolical parody of LGBTQ ideology that they kill themselves in body and soul pervert themselves, corrupt their children, causing their vices to corrupt the social and ecclesial body as well. The apocal battle that we are fighting against the globalist Leviathan has as its aim, we know it well, by admission of its own supporters, the systematic destruction of every trace of the presence of Christ from souls families and societies to replace it with the gloomy horror of the lordship of Satan and the reign of the Antichrist. In this battle, we are not only besieged by very powerful and unleashed and unleashed enemy enemy. What's what's wrong with my voice today? My pronunciation. In this battle, We are not only besieged by very powerful and unleashed enemy forces, but also by the the fifth columns who within the church and even government positions support the infernal plan of the new world order out of interest, out of blackmail, or out of cowardice. Abortion, divorce, euthanasia, gender theory, homosexualism, and neo-Malthusianism are nothing more than tools with which to destroy society, but even before it, the family. Because in the family, it is possible to realize that form of resistance to the dictatorship of single thought, thanks to which one can maintain one's determination to courageously defend their faith and their identity. It is no coincidence that in the mass manipulation of the Great Reset conducted through the recent pandemic farce, the desire was to separate the elderly from their loved ones, parents from their children, grandparents from their grandchildren. The disappearance of these family and hierarchical relationships, with all that these relationships entail, was the obligatory step for isolating people weakening them psychologically, weakening them spiritually, and thus being able to force them to obey. 
We'll continue with Archbishop Vigano's letter, beloved, as soon as we come back from the break. And at the second break, um, following that, we'll take your calls, your texts, and your emails. We'll- Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day that you need to know. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. I look forward to seeing you there. God love you. Think about this. There are five freedoms guaranteed in the First Amendment. Freedom of religion. Freedom of speech. Freedom of the press. Freedom to peaceably assemble. Freedom to petition the government. Which freedom can you live without? Fortunately, the First Amendment doesn't make you choose. It protects all five freedoms equally. Think first. Go to thinkfirstamendment.org to learn more. the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic Radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful for it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, dear ones. I am live and I'm thrilled to be with you. Um, we are reading uh, a beautiful letter that Archbishop um, Carlo Maria Vigno wrote uh, at the beginning of this year for the Feast of the Epiphany, and the, the octave actually on the, of the Epiphany and the uh, Holy Family. And I, I started mentioning earlier that I included one letter of the Archbishop in our Christmas newsletter, different letter than this, um, and commented how grateful I am and millions are that this former nuncio to the United States um, has kind of taken us, the United States, under his wing to be our shepherd. It's so, so beautiful. I'm so grateful for him. I'll back up one paragraph and then continue. He writes, it is no coincidence, because he's talking about the family as the cell of civil society and the target that the enemy wants to destroy. <clears throat> and the archbishop writes, it is no coincidence that in the mass manipulation of the Great Reset conducted through the recent pandemic farce, the desire was to separate the elderly from their loved ones, parents from their children, 
grandparents from their grandchildren. The disappearance of these family and hierarchical relationships, with all that these relationships entail, was the obligatory step for isolating people, weakening them psychologically, weakening them spiritually, and thus being able to force them to obey. He continues. On closer inspection, everything that this corrupt and barbaric world imposes on peoples is always oriented toward control and submission. And just when freedom is exalted by shaking off the gentle yoke of God's law, we see the chains of Satan's tyranny tighten around our wrists. On the other hand, how could the enemy love an institution? The family, in fact, made up of a father and a mother who referred to the heavenly eternal father who generates us to life and grace and to a mother who is advocate at the throne of her divine son. It is not surprising that the enemies of God also want to cancel his name, replacing it with parent one and parent two, not mother and father, parent one and parent two, precisely to eliminate those blessed names with which we can call Abba Father, none other than God and mother, the heavenly mother of God. Nor is it surprising um, hatred toward the father figure who is the archetype of God's authority, so that even ecclesiastical and civil superiors are called fathers, and they must behave as fathers. At the beginning of this meditation, Archbishop Vigano says, I asked why the church wanted to fix the celebration of the Holy Family to Sunday in the octave of the Epiphany. We have the answer. The Holy Family shows us the model of the Christian family, which is the necessary and indispensable premise for the divine kingship of our Lord to be made concrete in society, fulfilling the prophecy of the psalmist, which we heard in the Epiphany Mass, quote from Psalm 71, and all the kings of the earth will adore him, and all peoples will serve him. Let us therefore invoke our Lord the Virgin Mother, and St. Joseph to protect our families, keep them in the grace of God, and enable them to cooperate with faith and charity in the plan of providence. If Christ will reign in them, he will also reign in civil society. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and so be it. Carlo Maria Vigano, Archbishop. He wrote this on January 8th. His statement, dear ones, that's the end of the Archbishop's letter. If Christ will reign in them, he will also reign in civil society. If he will reign, how are we going to have him reign in the world? How will that ever be possible again? By letting him reign in us, individually, and having us be love in the heart of the world, as St. Therese said she wanted to be. Having us be the example for the world. In everything we do, and in everything we don't do, by, as I often say, living as if it's true. How could we be, don't, don't even worry about being examples to the world. Live before Christ, your full vocation. Papa, men, you need to be courageous not silent in the face of war. You need to respect women. 
You need, you need to dress modestly. You need to act like men. You need to not put a hand on any woman who's not your wife, no matter what. Women, the reverse. You need to be modest and not put your hand on any man who's not your husband. You need to be dressed modestly. Your skirts need to be mid-calf or below. Sleeveless clothing is strictly forbidden unless you have a sweater or a jacket or something over it. The neckline should not be more than two inches below your neck. Whatever you're wearing, two inches below your neck. This is standard. All the popes have written about it. No, nothing tight, nothing see-through. I see so many women at church with long dresses to the ankles, but every feature of their body shows when they walk. Not because it's see-through, because they don't wear proper slips or underwear. It's not modest. Um, you could say, well, those popes were out of touch. Oh, they were very much in touch. We dress for God and the Blessed Virgin, not for society. Has society changed? It certainly has. It has become utterly corrupt and gone downhill and fully immodest. And I shiver at some of the clothing I see, even in church, even in the Latin Mass. I shiver at some things parents let their young daughters wear, which they think is modest, and it's not. We need to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Modesty, I'm, I'm camping on it at the moment. It's not the only quality. Love, chastity. Are we called to chastity? Yes. Is a single person called to chastity? Yes. Is a married person called to chastity? Absolutely. They are called to be chaste with, only with their spouse, period. End of story. They are called to chastity. They're not called to celibacy with their spouse, but they're called to chastity, to live a chaste vocation, the vocation God has given them. Single people, you must be chaste. You cannot claim to love a young man if you let him put his hands on you and you give in to his wooings physically. And men, men you cannot claim to love a woman if you destroy her soul by asking her to do what she should only do in marriage, try to be a man. Imitate St. Joseph. There's no man greater than him. There's no man holier than him. And women, imitate the Blessed Virgin. Imitate her in holiness, in love, in purity. Married women, cancel your night out. Cancel your night out. I think it's awful. Can you imagine Mary asking Joseph to watch Jesus while she got together with the women on a night a week or a night a month? Absolutely not. That's your vocation is at home with your husband first and your children below him. Men, forget your men's night out. Your vocation is with your family. First, with your wife and then your children. <clears throat> Archbishop Shapu said such a beautiful thing years ago. He said the greatest gift a father can give um, his children is to love their mother. And conversely, the greatest gift a mother can give her children is to love their father. 
When children see love, then they feel love and they learn what love is. You can shower them with hugs and gifts and all of that, but if they catch the slightest amount of discord or irreverence or disrespect from one parent to another, they will feel insecure, they will not trust, and they will not love, and their ability to receive love will be hampered because there's lack of trust behind it. The greatest gift a mother and father can give their children is to love one another. Let the children see you kissing and hugging each other in the kitchen. Let them see love, and then they will feel love, and there won't be jealousy in the family. And start living as a family, and make Sunday your day of rest. I've said it many times. No restaurants on Sunday. No shopping on Sunday. Do not make people work to serve you on what is supposed to be equally their day of rest. I mean, well, they're going to work anyway. We're helping them to earn a salary. No, don't do it. Let the stores close as they once were on Sunday and let all work be done as God has commanded six days a week. Don't live for society. Don't let society mold you. Let God mold you. Live as a family. And parents, probably this is the last word before our our break, our half-hour break. If you turn your little children over to society to raise them, to school them, you are abandoning your vocation. You are telling our Lord, you gave us these children, but we're too busy. We want to earn too much money. We want a home and a car and a boat and all that. We want a break. We've raised them for the first five years of their life. It's time to turn them over to public school just for six hours a day. You are the ones who will absolutely destroy your children because you put them into a public school, they will be ruined. They will be destroyed. They're too young. They hear things that they're going to begin to use their reason. They hear languages from other people. They see the way they dress. They pick up thoughts, ways of thinking without even trying to. You will corrupt your children. If they're already in public school, get them out. And by all means, do not put them in a Catholic school that's not truly Catholic. If it has the name Catholic, but it's teaching same-sex or gender ideology or even sex ed, you are ruining your children, and they will get into college age or high school age, and they will leave the faith because they never had it. because they thought they were Catholic and they weren't. They thought they went to a Catholic school or they went to a mass that was horrible and they were Catholic. No, they weren't. They're leaving what they never had. Build your home, beloved. You have the responsibility, mom and dad, of raising your children in the faith, not the schools and not the church. There are very few, very good Catholic schools. They are few and far between. Are they all right to send your children to? Perhaps. But don't you let your children go to sleep without going over uh, what they've learned in school. Don't let teachers become their authority. You must remain mom and dad 
their authority on earth under God. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 17th. Today we celebrate Saint Anthony of Egypt. Go, sell what you have and give to the poor. Those words from the Gospel of St. Mark so spoke to today's saint that he gave away his large inheritance at age 20 following the deaths of his parents. Anthony of Egypt went on to spend most of his life in solitude. For a dozen or so years, he lived in empty tombs in a cemetery not far from his village. Anthony's contribution to the church was the witness of solitary asceticism, personal mortification, and prayer. It was a life that attracted others who were drawn to Anthony for spiritual healing and guidance. The Emperor Constantine wrote to him asking for prayers. At age 54, Anthony responded to requests and founded a monastery of scattered hermits' cells. He founded a second monastery on the Nile River. At age 88, he was giving his considerable energy to fighting the Arian heresy. Anthony was well-suited to his life of solitude and prayer. Celebrated in the East as the first master of the desert, he died at age 105. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I was raised a Catholic and went to church every Sunday faithfully. I met a boy and he was non-Catholic, so I left the church to be with him. When I was away from church, I yearned to be home. What brought me back was my longing for the Eucharist. The Eucharist fills me with the spirit that you can't find anywhere else. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. We invite you to take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together and our lines are wide open and I'm thrilled for you to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Anthony. It's actually a message on Facebook and he writes, Good morning, Mother Miriam. Just a quick question. I went to my childhood church for Christmas Mass this year for the first time in years while visiting family. I want to get back on track with the Catholic faith and I thought that this was a good small step to take. However, when I walked into the church, I noticed on a wall approaching the entrance that there was an aboriginal painting on the wall with an aboriginal lady holding an aboriginal baby that kind of looked like it might be an aboriginal version of Mary and baby Jesus. My childhood church is in Sydney, Australia. Oh dear. Um, it, it's often, um, it often happens, Anthony, that different cultures um, 
have Mary looking like them, uh, like their people, rather than as she would have looked uh, as an Israelite. He says, then at the start of the Mass, the lady that was speaking began the Mass with an acknowledgement of the local Aboriginal people and their land, which the church was built on. That is exactly what all of the left-leaning media do in Australia. That's quite unfortunate, and it's quite unfortunate that a lady began the Mass. She did not. She began talking before the Mass. Is this something that I should be worried about? Absolutely, Anthony. Find another church. That never happened when I attended church with my mother or grandmother when I was younger. I believe that. I now live in a rural area with the nearest Catholic church 30 kilometers away, and I'm now a little worried. If I start attending my closest church, and they also acknowledge the local Aboriginal people in Mass... Does this mean that the specific church has been corrupted by modern ideology, or am I just being silly? Kind regards, Anthony. Anthony, um, I would have to translate kilometers into miles. I'm sorry, I can't. Let's see, five, three, so this would probably be, I don't know, 20 miles? I'm not sure. Um, I would go to that nearest Catholic church 30 kilometers away. Um, I would do that uh, in a rural area. But he says, uh, if I start attending my closest church, and I'm guessing that's the nearest Catholic church, 30 kilometers away, um, and they also acknowledge the local Aboriginal people um, in mass, does that mean that the specific church has been corrupted by modern ideology? Or my, No, you're not being silly, Anthony. Um, I just got a note from our our wonderful brother James, that 30 kilometers is 18.6 miles. That's not, that's all right, of course. Um, I, it shouldn't be begun by a, a woman. And um, uh, again, you know, I've been, uh, I've seen Indian, um, India, uh, Far East uh, versions of Mary and Hispanic versions of all kinds. I don't, think that that's very harmful myself. I stand to be corrected if anyone wishes to correct me, but it's, it's uh, maybe it shouldn't happen, but it's all over the world that people portray Mary as one of their people, in a sense, as she was portrayed to Don Juan uh, and the Aztec people as one of theirs. So I don't see any harm in that. Um, I don't know exactly what was done. But uh, a woman should not be at the pulpit in a, in a church and should not begin Mass that way. It should be the priest. Um, so um, I, I'm going to guess the Mass is valid and that that's not always going to be the case. But um, I would say go ahead, go ahead, dear Anthony, and um, ask our Blessed Mother and our dear Lord to truly bring you back to your faith. That's the most wonderful thing, and God will guide you. And in the interim, you could look for another church, a Latin parish, if it's available. Um, look for another parish, but until then, it seems to me there'd be no problem going to that parish. Um, 
Okay. Uh, I'm going to take this Facebook message from Graciela. Graciela says, Dear Mother Miriam, I just listened to one of your podcasts, and you answered a question about whether an SSPX wedding was valid or not. You said not. This was in 2020. Well, I can't, uh, before I go on to read your email, I, I cannot say what I said in 2020 to whom under one cir- circumstance. I cannot say that. Um, I've learned it is valid if it has the permission of a priest and a, of the bishop and a local priest from the diocese is also present. That's what I've learned since. I'm not a canon lawyer, but that's what I've learned since. Um, let me just go ahead. Graciela says, I understand that the situation about SSPX has changed. My nephew belongs to Bishop Moore Catholic Church in Sanford, Florida. I believe this church belongs to the Diocese of Orlando. Since you said that in order to be valid, the Catholic Church has to be within a the Catholic Church has to be within a parish according to canon law. Please let me know if this is the case with this church. You say it belongs to the Diocese of Orlando. I have attended this church and I love the traditions and a lot more. Um, I, I, your, your email is a little confusing to me, Graciela. Um, the Catholic Church must be within a parish because a parish is overseen, a parish meaning a geographic area, because a parish is overseen by a bishop. Um, and so to be valid and to be under authority, it needs to be within a parish uh, boundary. Please let me know of the case with this church, because it is uh, apparently, you're saying it's SSPX, even though it's in the diocese of Sanford. The SSPX, I know many people disagree, and I am no judge of this. But as far as I know, I told you that I, I've said several times before that um, I am going to follow the judgment of um, um, Raymond Cardinal Leo Burke, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke, and uh, Father Arthur Murray, both of whom still hold the position that the SSPX is in schism. Um, I cannot say more than they. I just cannot. I know many disagree with that. Bishops believe it's in union with the church. Bishops who I love and respect, I, I cannot, I don't know enough to decide between them. I cannot decide between them. So the fact that the SSPX parish is in a uh, church itself, is in a uh, established parish, does not mean that it's in union with Rome. So um, to have a marriage be valid, what I understand is that it would need the bishop's permission and a uh, non-SSPX priest being valid. That That's my understanding. The Holy Father did give a dispensation for the priests of the SSPX to hear confessions and I believe also to um, uh, oversee marriages. I don't know if that still holds. I just don't know. I I truly uh, don't know that and I'd probably have to spend as much time looking that up as you. Um, And so um, I don't know exactly who you can go to to get that that information quickly. 
but maybe you could look on Cardinal uh, Raymond Burke's website. Um, many articles there. Um, uh, I don't know offhand where to tell you to go. Um, okay. YouTube comment. Um, it says comment B. I'm not sure what that means. Mother Miriam, hello. And I hope all is well with you. It is, dear one. Thank you. From B. I have a question, and I think I learned correctly. But with all this, she uses the word or he nonsense about the Latin Mass and stopping it. I don't know if what I was taught in school is the truth or not. We learned that the Latin Mass was not introduced by Rome or even by any bishop, but rather by Charlemagne, a lay emperor. Prior to him, all Masses were in the language of the people. We were told Charlemagne was in Rome and heard the Mass in Latin, secular language in Italy at the time, and decreed that Latin would be used throughout his empire. Is this true? Um, I don't know, B. I just don't know. I'd have to look that up. Um, you know, when we speak of the Latin Mass, um, we're talking of the the uh, the Tridentine Mass because the Novus Ordo, the Mass that followed Vatican II, uh, was not to do away with Latin. The Latin was to be kept. Ad Orientum, facing our Lord, was to be kept. No one ever told the priest to turn and face the people with his back toward our Lord, and the Latin was to be kept. So the language is one issue. The form and um, rubrics of the Mass and the language of the Mass is is another issue. Um, So a Latin Mass... Uh, whether the language is to be Latin, whether that was established first by Charlemagne, I would have to look that up myself. But the Mass comes straight organically from our Lord's Mass at the Last Supper and right from the Apostles and the early Church Fathers. And um, B writes, if this is, is this true? If it is, why do people want the Mass said in a language that was introduced by a lay Catholic? I have nothing against the Latin Mass, but isn't the truth about who introduced the Latin Mass needed in this discussion? It is not. It is, is it true that a lay Catholic is the one who made Latin the language of the Mass throughout the empire? I'd really like to know what the truth is. I don't think my religious education teachers would have told me a lie, but I question their teaching now with all the disputes about the language of the Mass. Thank you for getting back to me. B, I I truly apologize. I cannot help you in this. But nothing happens without the approval of the popes. Nothing. And the reason Latin was chosen for the church and is the mass of all ages and will continue to be the mass of all ages is because it's a dead language. It was the language of the day, but having adopted it, it's a dead language, which means it doesn't change. English changes all the time. Vernacular languages all over the world change all the time. Uh, if you look back when I went to school, ain't, A-I-N apostrophe T, was not a dictionary word. It is today. Uh, so many things are used today. Slang that used to be slang or not in existence, but they're accepted today. Vernacular language changes to get modern with the times. 
Latin does not. It does not change. So what happens, the beauty of that is that you could go into any mass spoken in Latin all over the world, no matter what uh, culture you're from, no matter what language you have, it won't matter. The mass is in Latin, and everyone used to know it. So Portuguese and American and Spaniards and, and Scottish and Australians and uh, French and Italian, everyone could go to mass and hear the mass in language that they understood, which was Latin, the language of the mass, a dead language, which remains alive for the mass, dead because once we learn it, it does not change, no matter where we come from all over the world. That's why Latin was adopted for the church. And again, even in the Novus Ordo, should not have been abandoned. Paul VI never abandoned Latin, and it, in fact asked that it be kept for certain parts of the Mass, the Sanctus, um, um, the um, Holy, 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 the Benedictus, all of that. Many parts of the Mass were told to remain in Latin. There's our break, beloved. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the iCatholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the station of the for more information the Station of the Cross is listener-funded and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. January of 21, people were feeling pretty good. You know, the government's dumping thousands of dollars into your accounts. Inflation hadn't started yet. People saved a lot of extra money. Jeffrey, is there a caffeine analogy here? If you start mainlining, you know, double espresso, there's a rush, but there's a price to be paid for it. Yeah, there's a price to be paid. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Come back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. 
Uh, this is our last segment. We have 10 minutes, and you're welcome to call in. Our lines are open. Um, Toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Lisa Marie, who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. My name is Lisa Marie. I'm from Malaysia. Hi, Lisa Marie, from Malaysia. How wonderful. I'm so happy and thankful to God I found you. I've just started listening to you on the thestationofthecross.com. Mother, I would like to ask you if it is okay for a priest to change the words at Mass. It is not okay. The priest changed at the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching to um, let us say the prayer that our Lord has taught us. And he's changed, Behold the Lamb of God, to this is Jesus Christ. This priest does not seem to be reading from the Missal. He's obviously not. Um, Lisa Marie, uh, no, he's wrong for doing that. But as long as the words of consecration are not changed, as long as he says the words of consecration, then the Eucharist is valid and the Mass is valid. So he shouldn't be changing those words. And if you wish, you can ask for a meeting with him and very lovingly and respectfully say, Father, it really hurts me and you know others, I'm, I'm sure, that you would change the words of the Mass. It, it makes us shaky. It makes us think you don't respect the Church, that you're above the Church, that you would do your own thing, um, even if your theology is correct, uh, because the Lamb of God is Jesus Christ. But why, why change what the church has done um, through Christ? I would speak to him and tell him it's painful for you to hear that. But as long as the words of consecration are not changed, then it is valid. And Lisa Marie says, thank you, Mother, for reading my email. I love you, and God bless you abundantly. Thank you, Lisa Marie. God bless you. We have an email from Yana. Dear Mother Miriam, my son is getting married in May of 2023 to a very lovely, devout Catholic in the church. I have a brother-in-law who has a great distaste for the Catholic faith in which he was baptized. He was also chosen by my husband and I to be this son's godfather. So the son that's getting married in May of 2023 um, has been has had a godfather um, um, as a, a um, someone who was hostile to the Catholic faith. At the time, we did not know he was not practicing the faith and had left it in protest. Let me just stop there. Parents, when you choose a godparent for your child, you will never have an excuse before God that you did not know that godparent, male or female, was not practicing their faith. You are given the stewardship of your child, and to turn your child over to either a member of the family or a relative or a stranger or someone else, a friend, who is not a strong practicing Catholic, you are violating that child's inheritance and you will be responsible more than the godparent will. 
Um, Yana writes, should we, should he be invited to my son's wedding, knowing that he may mock it? Absolutely not. And what do we do about being, him being my son's godfather? Now your son is getting married, so he's in his 20s. He has done nothing to help my son or even want a relationship with him. Am I overthinking things? You're not overthinking things. You're just thinking about them a little late. I very much regret subjecting my son to not having a practicing God-fearing Godfather. Should I just let it go and continue to pray for his conversion back to the faith? Hopefully, Anna, um, uh, you and your husband have taught your son the faith, and hopefully, if he's getting married to a devout Catholic, he now knows that his Godfather is not a Catholic and hates, despises the Catholic Church. So um, he's an adult. It's not your place to get him a new godfather. If your son is now mature in the faith, it is now his role to try to love the man who was made his godfather and bring his godfather back to the faith. Yana says, thank you for your help, and God bless you for all you do for the faithful in your counsel, peace and love in Jesus, Mary and Joseph, Yana. Yana, your son's an adult now. Um, He was baptized, I'm guessing, as a child. Um, And so explain to him that you were not strong in your own faith at the time, and it was a brother-in-law, and you just did what seemed right or convenient or that would keep peace or whatever it is and you did not realize that he was not practicing and you need to apologize for that because that's your fault that you didn't realize that and just say we apologize for that but we bless God that you believe and that you're marrying a devout Christian woman and we will pray for you and perhaps now that God has been gracious to you in giving you the gift of faith uh, and maturity you can begin to uh, convert your own godfather, that would be a wonderful thing. Um, we have an email from Ron. Ron writes, Dear Mother Miriam, thank you so much for your show. I very much appreciate your faith and your wealth of knowledge. I would like to disagree with you, however, about the SSPX. Ron, before I read the rest of your email, I have to say I don't blame you. I know many in the SSPX. I absolutely love them. They are, their whole lives are given for God. And I know good bishops who do not believe they're in schism. They believe that Pope Francis is the Pope. They pray for the Pope. Um, and so it's, it's a grievous thing, this issue, after, the, after Pope Benedict, God rest his soul, after Pope Benedict lifted the, ex, the um, excommunication, plural, the excommunications, that at the same time, he did not make note that they were restored to union with the church. So it's a very painful situation. And uh, Ron goes on to say, your advice a few weeks ago was to find another Latin mass and not to attend an SSPX mass. This was based, I believe, on words from Cardinal Burke, who I also respect immensely. Yes, it is, Ron, based on words from Cardinal Burke. Many people have no non-SSPX Latin masses available, especially since Pope Francis issued Traditionis Custodis. Surely these people should not be confined to the Novus Ordo, especially a non-reverend Novus Ordo Mass. 
Bishop Schneider, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who I think we are both in agreement with, yes, is a very holy prelate, very much so, was chosen to be a visitor to the SSPX in 2015. And I've said the same, Ron. I've told about that in his book, Christus Vincit, Diane Montagna asked regarding the SSPX question from Diane, um, do you think they will come back in full communion, whatever that means? And Bishop Athanasius Schneider's response was, full communion is not the correct expression in my view. They are already in communion with the church since they recognize the Pope, mention him in the canon, pray for him publicly, and pray for the local diocesan bishop. The SSPX has received faculties for absolution from the Pope, and the priests of the SSPX may now obtain faculties from the diocesan bishop or from the parish priest canonically to assist at marriages. And that confirms my answer earlier, from the bishop and the parish priest to assist at marriages. Full recognition is better than the expression full communion because the members of the SSPX are not excommunicated. Oh, that's right. You know what? I'm going to take this. It's, it's a longer email run, and there's the music for the end of our program. I will take your email first um, with our next program uh, tomorrow and uh, maybe be able to uh, deal with it and dialogue a little more with you. God bless you, dear ones, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.